Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon and welcome to this episode of the Full Press Raiders podcast. I'm your host, Terrence Biggs. We, as the days go by, we are getting ever so close to the NFL draft. And you know it's Tuesday. we got to bring in one of our favorites, the man his family. He is a managing editor of Last Word on College Football, your friend of mine, Tony Saracusa. Good, e- good evening slash good afternoon. Tony, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you, Mr. Biggs? Not bad, not bad. Now, when we look at the first 10 picks of the draft, mm-hmm. one, we see a lot of teams with multiple picks, and two, we see teams that they're many players away from competing. Like, this won't be yeah. a draft that will solve anyone's problem in the first 10. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think part of it is because, you know, one of the things we've talked about before is there's no quarterback who's going in the top 10 or Maybe not. Um, there's no franchise savior, if you will. What you have in this draft is a lot of really, really high-end linemen on both sides of the ball. But linemen are not generally the guys who are going to turn your season around in one year, right? Because if you're that bad that you're picking in the top five, top six, you have more needs than just an offensive tackle or a defensive end. You have many more needs than that. There are guys in here who really can have very good NFL careers through this, but it's going to take a little bit of time because they are linemen. Again, they're not going to just step on the field. And, and, you know, there's no Jonathan Ogden in here, you know, who was an immediate starter from day one and Hall of Famer. There are some guys who over the years – 
can really, really make a solid name for themselves. There's a lot of talent, but no franchise, no one who's going to turn a franchise around by the midway point of season one. Now, we look at the Jacksonville Jaguars. They had corrected a mistake by the Urban Meyer hire, which everyone knew with a scintilla of common sense that Urban Meyer was the wrong fit, the last fit for the NFL. So they decided to scrap everything, bring their Peterson. They have a young quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. They have a up-and-coming defense, and they spent a ton of cash in the offseason. At one tone, who do you see becoming a Jaguar with the first pick? I think Jacksonville has got to protect Trevor Lawrence. They've got to do a better job. I'm still not sure Trevor Lawrence is your is your long-term quarterback in Jacksonville, but you've made the commitment, so now you got to protect him. If I'm Jacksonville, I'm going after Evan Neal, the tackle out of Alabama. Uh, I think he is by far and away the best player in the draft at any position. And I think he is the best lineman in the draft, clearly. Six, seven, 350 pounds, just a physical beast. Um, and, you know, he's got, he's a powerful athlete. And with his size, he's got really impressive lower body strength. It's not just all upward, uh, you know, in, in the chest and through the arms and shoulders. Um, he really is just, you know, kind of a freakish athlete. Uh, I mean, the man, the man at the, uh, at the Alabama Pro Day squatted 650 pounds. That's just crazy. So I think, you know, and, and he's versatile. Look, I would put him at left tackle because you got to protect Trevor Lawrence, but he can play either side. He's not going to play guard. He is a tackle at that size. Um, but he really is one of the best uh, pass blockers in the entire country and probably over the last couple of years. One thing I noticed about Evan Neal, he's like a boxer where, you know, if you put him in a ring against a puncher, some boxers like to slug it out while others use a technical approach. Neal, mm-hmm. he has phenomenally clean technique and handwork where all depends on his mood. If there is a rusher that wants to keep you in the bull rush, you, mm-hmm. You'll be met with power. If you want to try to beat him wide, you'll be met with that kick step and speed. So he takes it where it needs to go. I think Jaguar, I know they franchise tag Cam Robinson, but that's for a year. And I think a year of having Evan Neal on the right side and making the transition to the left yep. side, it helps him because it gives him the reps and it gives Trevor Lawrence the feeling of not impending doom about to fall on top of him when he drops back to pass. Now, second, overall, you have the Detroit Lions, a team without an identity. They haven't had an identity, to be honest, since Barry Sanders retired. Where would you go if you're the Lions? You know, the Lions need a lot of help in a lot of places, but really, to me, one of the most porous parts of of their game is the defensive secondary. So I would take a look at Kyle Hamilton the safety out of Notre Dame. 6'4", 220, 
Um, you know, I, I, I know when we had talked about defensive backs previously and we had talked about cornerbacks and safeties, and I pointed out that, you know, out of a group of really decent to very good safeties coming out of this draft, Hamilton is by far and away the best. Um, you know, like I said, 6'4", 220 with really good speed, good versatility. Ranks really high when I talk to people after the combine. He ranks really high in his football IQ, that he's got a real natural feel for the position, looks at game film, and understands it to the point of being able to be that coach in the defensive backfield. Um, you know, natural awareness as a pass rusher. So I think that, uh, you know, one of the things we had talked about in our previous sessions is Bruce Feldman's freaks list. Uh, where he looks at really the athletic freakishness of some of these guys. And he's got a 40, almost a 42 inch vertical leap. So he's already tall. He possesses that long game. He can match up against really any receiver, whether it's down the sidelines, whether it's on a skinny post pattern, you know, he can pick up across the field. I, I think that he really is one of the two best defensive backs in the entire draft. And I think that that's a need for the Lions. If you're not going to get a safety at that position, then I think you got to go get a cornerback and you go get Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati. But clearly, in my thinking, they need some serious defensive secondary help. Now, when I look at Kyle Hamilton, I think of one of the evolutions in safety where I grew up, you know, being – a Raiders fan, and most of us, you had Jack Tatum, you had wipeout safeties mm-hmm. who would just feast on any delayed pass or any hospital ball thrown by a quarterback. It's a different era now where, you know, the referees have these things called flags, and they are not shy about throwing them. <laughs> so right. safety play has to be smarter now. You have to know coverage and be able, yes, if it is a ball carrier, you can feel free to try to try to deliver a good shot, but you have to make sure if the ball's in the air. You have to be cognizant of where you are. And I think that Hamilton, like you said, is the smartest defensive back, probably one of the smartest players in this draft. Now, three, you have Houston Texans at three where you have a new coach, and Lovey Smith, who's returning to the NFL after years of exile in Illinois and various other spots. That team – they have a wealth of picks, but they need help everywhere. They don't really have much as far as a quarterback. They don't really have much as far as a defense. Whitney Merciless retired. You have no J.J. Watt. You have the Island of Misfit Toys on defense. Where would you go if you're the Texans? Uh, you know, look, you, you make some good points in that the players that they've lost on defense, and none of them is easily replaceable. You don't you don't just automatically replace via the draft a future Hall of Famer like J.J. Watt. It, it doesn't happen. But you have to start putting some some of the right pegs in the right places. And so for that reason, I would look at Aiden Hutchinson, the defensive end from Michigan. I think that for the type of defense you're going to see from the Texans, he answers really a lot of the questions. He's a defensive end who can also play inside. And I think that that matters because I think if you're, if you're Houston 
it does you no good to get someone who is just an edge rusher, um, which there are some very good ones here who, you know, we'll get to shortly, of course. But with his size, 6'6", 265, actually, I think at this point he's up to about 275 after the combine. After the combine. Um, he's a dominating pass rusher because he can move around to the inside. He can come from the outside. Um you know, he's got good speed. He's a very instinctive pass rusher. And he's played with in various alignments at Michigan. Um, so he's played the three technique, the five technique. He's very versatile. And his footwork allows him to play at any position on the defensive line. And I think Houston needs someone who they can move around as needed. Now, when I look at Hutchinson, I look at a guy who, you know, he he arrives with – you know, he's pretty much a, a ready-made defensive end where there are yeah. things, technique he can hone, but he's not raw coming into position, which means he's a day one starter. And if you're picking the top three, that's what you need. Now, the first of our repeat picks, well, teams that have one one pick, we have the New York Jets. Being from the East Coast, I have so many friends who are Jet fans, and they are dealing with probably a half century of sadness. <laughs> Chronic reality. Self-imposed sadness. Yes. Self-imposed sadness. Yes, self-imposed sadness. And it's a chronic rebuild there. Now, they have a pretty decent foundation as far as Robert Sala, the head coach. You know, he, he seems like he knows what he wants, and he brings that – stern mindset to the table, but the Jets have holes everywhere. If you were the Jets at four, who would you grab? If I'm the Jets, and as you point out, they have holes everywhere, I'm going to go get someone who, while we've said no one is going to turn around a franchise overnight, I'd go get a guy who at least can be immediate impact in the numbers game and in your ability to defend against anybody, and I'd go get Kayvon Thibodeau, the defensive end out of Oregon. He is an edge rusher. You know, we had just talked about Hutchinson being able to move anywhere on the defensive line. Thibodeau can move from side to side and even drop back into a linebacker from the outside. You're not going to put him on the inside on a defensive line, not at 265 pounds. Um, But he is just one of the most freakish defensive end athletes you're going to see. His footwork is amazing. He looks every bit the part of what you would think a prototypical NFL edge rusher looks like. He's long. He's athletic. He can put on more muscle mass. He's got a very, very quick first, second step off the snap. Um, he is, to, to me, he is the, the classic frame of a defensive end. With Thibodeau, like we mentioned, so many teams need an identity. The Jets would finally have someone that they can kind of rest, not the rest of defense on, but rest and build around as far as a defensive cornerstone. They tried it several years ago with Quentin Copels from North Carolina, and that was a disaster in waiting. Uh, Aaron Maben, again, another disaster in waiting. But you have a Quentin Williams there. You have uh, a John Myers Franklin there. You have players who would 
benefit from help on the outside. And uh, Thibodeau would be it. Plus, you have a division with Mac Jones, Josh right. Allen, and whoever, I guess it'll be Tua, Tonga Lavoa. But you have a right. passing division now. But here's the other thing about Thibodeau. And I know this isn't why you draft the players you draft, because it's about the football. But this is New York. Well, theoretically, it's, you know, <laughs> theoretically <laughs> New York. Um, look, Thibodeau is, in all my years of covering college football and going to the various conference media days and meeting with players and interviewing players, you can make Thibodeau, frankly, the face of your franchise because he is one of the brightest young men you're going to talk to in the in the uh, meetings and the in the interviews that you have with the teams and what they did at the combine. He is a smart businessman who, for the first six months of NIL, refused to hire an agent. He did it himself because he said, I, I have to own what I do, and therefore I know what the model needs to be for me. When it comes time, I'll pass it off once the groundwork is set. This is a sharp guy who knows what he's doing and has a good head on his shoulders, and it translates to the football field because he he understands the game at a very high level. So this isn't just a guy who's going to get lots of sacks and lots of tackles for you. He's going to make you look good in the interview room. He's going to be the guy that's going to do commercials and endorsements and that is going to that you're going to make the face of the New York Jets going forward. Now, with the fifth pick, we will stay in the same building. And the Giants, they have the new coach of Brian Dayball, and they have Daniel Jones, who inspires few, where the offense last year scored a shade over 15 points a game. They're, again, just like most teams in this top ten, they need a whole lot of everything. Who goes to the G-men, and what role do you think they'll play? I say let's go, let's get someone to protect Daniel Jones, and let's get Iki Aquanu the guard from North Carolina State. Um, very, very elite level player, uh, 6'4", 320, is going to be a guard. He could, look, he, he, he played some tackle at NC State and he played some guard. Going to the NFL, he probably is a little bit more of a guard. Um, he's got, uh, he's got good versatility. He's a bit short for a tackle in the NFL, so that's why I say you're probably going to put him at guard. But he has played tackle, and he's played left tackle in the ACC. So um, there is that. He's an elite-level run blocker. He is an outstanding pass blocker. And he does something that I think you and I may have talked about when we talked about him before, is that he was in in high school, he was a multi-sport athlete. He was an elite-level wrestler, and I love that in an offensive lineman um, because you learn leverage and you learn body motion and you learn leverage against your opponent. And I, I think it absolutely matters because when you look at the game film on him, he absolutely pancakes defensive linemen. He's got that really aggressive style that you would see from a wrestler. And so – I, I like him, and I think you've got to, you know, you got to do a better job of, of putting people up front to protect your quarterback. 
Now, when we come back from break, we will tackle the second half of the top ten and kind of get Tony's thoughts on the draft as a whole. But that's after break. You are listening to the Full Press Raiders podcast on the FPC Radio Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are back with the Full Press Raiders podcast. Terrence Biggs, Tony Saracusa from The Last Word on College Football. Tone, we have come to pick six in the Carolina Panthers. You have a coach in Matt Rule who is floundering to say the most, to say the least. He, he traded for Sam Donald on purpose and no one <laughs> fooled him into it. <laughs> Carolina. Yeah, look. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, living out here in Charlotte now and listening to local sports talk radio, the the dismay over the state of the Panthers and going and getting somebody like Darnold is 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 a very high point of aggression, we'll call it, in people's mentality. They're, they're I mean, they wanted they wanted trades for some of the quarterbacks in the draft. They wanted they wanted anyone that was a fresh face uh, behind center and to know that they're not 
going to get it, at least not early on. Is but but you know, look, honestly, there isn't a quarterback here that I would take with the number six pick. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's a couple good quarterbacks, but no one that I'm going to take with the sixth pick who I think is going to be ready to step in right away. Does that mean Darnold was, again, Darnold was a good choice? No, it absolutely was not. But it is what it is, and now you got to build around them. And when I look at the Panthers, I look at an organization where they have an owner in David Tepper who's a billionaire who has, by the mission, said he's impatient i.e. he wants to start winning and he will give Matt Rule this season to show some signs of life or he'll be ex-Panthers head coach Matt Rule. Panthers have a solid defense. They have Christian McCaffrey. They, like we mentioned, they have Sam Darnold, but they still have so much need as far as blocking, as far as other areas of the field. Who do you see Carolina Selecting. I think you got to get help up front, and which, as we've clearly noted, is readily available in this draft. And so you got to take advantage of it. You you need to take advantage of the fact that there are so many linemen, both sides of the ball, and at a level that is rare in the draft. And so I think you need to take advantage of it. And I think you go get Charles Cross, the tackle from Mississippi State. 6'5", 310 pounds, um, very good explosive athlete. He's got really great leverage and pass protection. When you watch the game film on him, he all, he's already very polished, even though he's leaving after just his third year in college. He, he really ranks out as a potential starter early on in the season. And so, you know, I think, he, you know, look, he recovers well. If he does get beat, which again, you watch Mississippi State games and it doesn't, it doesn't happen very often. Um, he's got more pass blocking snaps than pretty much any collegiate lineman than you're going to find because he played at Mississippi State, right? And he, and he, he played in, you know, very, you know, pass happy offense. They barely ever ran the ball, frankly, uh, you know, with Mike Leach there. So I think his, Foot speed is good. He understands the pass blocking really well. He's elite at it. And that's where you're, you know, I think in another draft, maybe crosses down somewhere around 9, 10, 11. But you have so many teams who need so much help up front that I can I can easily see him going number six to the Panthers. I like cross. I like the fact that, and I like the fact that this pick because, like you mentioned, Whatever they're going to do with Sam Donald, they're just going to have to do with him. And he needs protection. I mean, Sam Donald, as we know, is not a good quarterback. Sam Donald with no protection is an awful quarterback. So at least try to minimize the damage of Sam Donald by getting him confident blocking. Now, sure. when we move on to seventh, we have the Giants again. They need just – I just have no faith in Daniel Jones. I have – I have less faith in Daniel Jones being quarterback than Saquon Barkley staying healthy. Where do you see them picking at the seventh spot? Well, here's here's the challenge, though. Look, if if you have that little faith in 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 Jones, which I get, I I'm not saying no. Do you really take a quarterback at number seven 
with knowing that the best quarterbacks in this draft are Malik Willis out of Liberty, who is going to need some time, frankly, before he's ready to start in the NFL. He's good. He's got a good arm, but he hasn't played against that level of competition that is going to make you say, oh, yeah, this is, this is definitely the guy. Or, you know, Kenny Pickett. I mean, eh, you know, I, I don't look at either of those and say, yep, this is, the, this is the answer to the question because we need help at quarterback. And so, you know, I, I, I go back to just filling a fundamental need, I guess, and, you know, not exciting that way. But I would go get Trayvon Walker, the defensive end from Georgia. I, I think he is really pretty close to starting NFL ready. He's got tremendous size and strength. He's about 6'5", 285, very good speed. Um, ran, ran a four-five-one at the combine. I mean, let's go back and repeat. He's 6'5", 285, and he ran a four-five-one at the combine. I mean, that's that's extremely impressive. He can add, you know, if he's 285, he can add another five, ten pounds to his frame and be fine. He's got that quick twitch that you like in a defensive end, very reactive uh, to to what he sees in front of him, very versatile. So he can play either side of the line. He can actually move inside if you bulk him up a little bit more. Look, I get it. The Giants have so many problems, and quarterback is top of the list. But I look at the top quarterbacks here, and I don't know if you use the number seven overall pick on any of them. And and look, maybe I'm right. Maybe someone. Maybe you think Malik Willis. You take Malik Willis at seven. I don't because I think if you're using the number seven pick on a quarterback, he better be ready to start. I agree. Like like seven to me at quarterback says you can't sit. You 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 can't sit. For, this isn't a days of. Uh, Don McNabb, who sat for the first, I want to say sat for the first eight games and let and yeah, like, somewhere around there, yeah. Doug uh, Peterson jump in there and take the lion's share of snaps for the first half. No, if you're in the top ten as a quarterback, you need to see the field this year. You have to touch the field, and it's like I mentioned, the days of no, you you can't be a high pick quarterback and not at least be able to step in. Now, the eighth pick, we have the Falcons, who they're the Charlie Brown of the NFL, where they are <laughs> allergic to prosperity, where they just they can't get they can't get it right ever. But they somehow found a taker for Matt Ryan in his contract, but they right. can't really go replace him with the first round pick at quarterback because they have so many other holes. If you're the Falcons, right. home. Who do you go with? I, I think the Falcons' biggest need is on defense right now. I think it's I think it's on the defensive line. I think you need a pass rusher. I think you I think you go get George Karloftis, the defensive end from Purdue, uh, two seventy five, six foot four, really one of the elite level defensive linemen in the draft. Huge body, ideal length for the position. Um, he's got great speed and agility for, you know, for his size. Um, you know, the guy power cleans 380 pounds. So he's got all the strength you need. He's got the versatility. He's got the speed. And again, you know, as you say, they have so many 
they have so many holes to fill that, you know, I think you go to the, the fundamentals. You go to the line, either side of the line, but I think their greater need is on the defensive side. And, you know, he, he's a good, he's a good run defender. He's a good pass defend, pass rusher. Um, so I, I, you know, I think he's a good enough athlete with his quickness and change of direction ability that he's a difference maker. Now, one of the things I like about Carl Loftus is he improved dramatically where most high school guys are arrived to campus raw and they simply got by on natural athletic ability where Kalakis, you can see his handiwork, his his ability to get a good hand on the block and be able to rip, be able to swim, be able to shed a block quickly without just thinking, okay, I'm just going to run by this guy. He has a pretty good arsenal of moves, and I think that he fits Atlanta because if you have him on the outside, you have uh, Grady Jarrett on the inside who needs somebody on the outside to be someone that Dante Fowler wasn't, someone that uh, Victor, or was it Beasley? Or mm-hmm. Beasley wasn't. They need something to spur that defensive line onto something because they still have to contend with Tom Brady. And Tom Brady apparently feasts on the Falcons if he's a Patriot, if he's a Buccaneer, if he doesn't matter. This team needs pressure up front. Speaking of needing a bunch, you have the Seahawks. They pretty yeah. much decided to have a fire sale, but they were smart about it. They have this pick from Denver. At nine, is this too high to go for a Malik Willis, or do you think that they will go to help in other areas? No, I think that's the pick, and I think it should be the pick um, because, you know, otherwise, I mean, what are you doing? You're, you're, you got Jacob Eason? I mean, who else you got there, right? Now, is Malik Willis, and I and I said this before, is he ready to start right away? I have my doubts. Um, he is, look, he's a great athlete. He's got a great arm, and he showed off that great arm both in his pro day and at the combine. What I need to see from Malik Willis is showing off that great arm in live action against high-end competition. Everyone talked about his performance at the Senior Bowl in uh, in Mobile. He was two for four for 11 yards throwing. What he had was about 65 yards rushing. What I need to see is Malik Willis stand in the pocket against an NFL defense and chuck it around the field to his receivers. I think he can do it. We just haven't seen it yet. Now, I also the the, the one thing that would concern me about drafting Willis this high is that you're putting the clock on him because Eason Eason isn't your long-term answer to much of anything, frankly. Um, And so you're just biding your time until Willis is ready. And I hope the Seahawks don't rush him because I do think he is a legitimately good NFL quarterback I just, you know, I you, you need to give him a little bit of time to get his his feet under him, no pun intended. 
Now, also with the Seahawks, they have Drew Locke, who is not the long-term starter. He's not the short-term starter. Right, He's not right. the immediate starter. He's just a guy. He's a guy right. with a number between 1 and 19 <laughs> that plays quarterback. Right. right. And I think with Willis, he has two great receivers in Lockett and Metcalf stepping into yep. the situation. Yep. They have a – Pretty good cornerstone for a young uh, a young team coming up, and I will credit Pete Carroll. One, I didn't know that him and Bill Belichick are roughly the same age, which shocks me because of right out you know energy levels and just total personality. But two, he's willing to switch his team up and be able to start mm-hmm. from scratch over mm-hmm. at, in his 70s. that That's a man who right. intends to coach until he's, like, older than Marv Levy. Well, and I think you bring up a good point. You bring up several good points, and, and, I'll, and I'll get to them. One, I think Bill Belichick was born a 50-year-old sour man. Um, I think that's just the way he came into the world uh, and just aged accordingly since then. So, yeah, Pete Carroll definitely has a more youthful vibe to him, and he's always been that guy who loved running up and down the sidelines, you know, and, and cheering on his players. He, he, he brought a bit of his, his college football mentality back to the NFL because, let's remember, when he was at USC and he's remembered with such grandeur at USC, he was the Trojans' fifth pick for the head coaching job. The other four turned them down. And he had been fired uh, by the Patriots and the Jets, if I'm correct. Yes. Um, so he was, you know, he, he was just kind of out there floating around. And, you know, now he's a national championship coach in college football. He's a Super Bowl coach in the NFL. And, you know, they're, they're figuring out what his bust is going to look like for the Hall of Fame. And I agree. Look, I wasn't sure he was in it for the long term beyond another year or two but you don't go along with these trades and these personnel moves unless you are determined to see them through um and so i think that you know i i give him credit this is this is not going to be easy um especially because of the quarterback position but i could see somebody like carol being a you know quarterback whisperer if you will, to Malik Willis. And I could, see, I could see it being a viable relationship for a few years. Uh, I see that working. I see that him being an integral part of Malik Willis's development. Now, our last pick of the first round are the Jets. Now, they have tried to cobble together a functional offensive line. I actually like the offensive line. And they mm-hmm. – and we – mocked Kayvon Thibodeau to them. Is this Mm -hmm. where they stay on defense, or do you think they go offense? I think it's a tough call because I I do think that they have put together a good offensive line. You've got questions at quarterback. So do you go out and get a top-end receiver like a Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State and give give your quarterback someone else to work with? Or do you shore up what is generally a pretty weak defense 
And if you're going to do that, then I go to the defensive backfield and I go get Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati. I, I, I think, honestly, if you can get – if Sauce Gardner is sitting there for you at number 10, I find it hard not to take him. He is one of the best cornerbacks coming out of college in the last three to four years. He is a complete player. I know when you and I were talking about defensive backs before, I said there are a lot of good defensive backs in this draft. But having said that, there's Sauce Gardner, and then there's the rest of them. And the rest of them are really good, but it's a big gap between Gardner and everybody else. Let me repeat one of my favorite stats about this guy. He has never allowed a touchdown thrown against him his entire college career at Cincinnati. Now, he played three years there so because he's leaving after his junior year. But for three years, he has never been beaten for a touchdown. I, I just find that if you know nothing else about the guy, that alone is just stunning. He's got great ball skills. He's, he, he's never gives up on a play. He's got a constant motor that's running. Um, he really is a lockdown corner who does not get beat. Um, so to me, I do it just because if I'm the Jets, I do it just because he's available right there. And you're, it, it's going to be years before you see a cornerback this good again. Sauce Gardner worked because if you look at the Jets from Aaron Glenn, who was above average, to a Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. and Darrell Revis, Sauce Gardner is one of the, if not the best corner in this draft, for the simple fact that he's big, 6'2", 2'5", mm-hmm. physical, and he has the speed. Normally when you see a big physical corner, you see guys who have trouble defending the vertical routes. Gardner doesn't have this problem, and he has the confidence in himself to know that he has the physical ability to stay with just about any receiver in this league. And yeah. with Thibodeau up front, with Gardner on the back end, I think the Jets are slowly inching their way back into relevance. Now, we look at the draft as a whole. Mm-hmm. I know we talked about the combine. I know we talked about, you know, things that – parts of the combine that are somewhat irritating – what do you think the best part of the <laughs> of the draft process is? Um, when it's over, <laughs> I say that I say that tongue in cheek because it is a long time from the combine in late February to draft day, and you get pro days at all of the schools, and you know, look, and the, the the pro days are meant to highlight the best of the individual players. Right. The scouts can say, hey, I, I'd like to see, you know, this player do this. They you know, can say, it. I, I, I'd like to see Jordan Davis from Georgia again, you know, do these drills. Um, but you only get so much out of that. I mean, you know, Davis is a, is a great defensive tackle. He's one of the high end defensive linemen in this draft. You can say, I'd like to see, you know, Drake London, the receiver do these kinds of routes. And that's great. But it's I, I've been to several pro days over the years, and it really is customized. I think that's the best way to put it. The school customizes it to 
put the best look on their players. They want their players drafted. It's a good recruiting tool for the colleges. The scouts get something out of it. What the scouts really get more out of are the individual workouts after pro days. They invite players to their training facilities to work out. They're done privately. There's no media around. You don't know what happened. Um, you don't know how it impacts somebody's draft other than what you hear second and third hand. But those those individual workouts for the teams are designed to help the team, not the player. Does that make sense? It's designed to say, here's what we want. Here's what we're looking for. And are you that person in that position? So it's really meant to highlight the team's needs, not the player's abilities. Um, and the team's looking to see if any of anyone they brought in can fill their need. But it's a long process. It really is because you get the top 20 players. Heck, you know what? More than that, you get everybody who's going to go in the first round is having individual workouts with teams and sometimes multiple. It is a seven-day-a-week process from the end of a team's pro days. And the pro days are staggered over about three weeks. But immediately after the first pro days, at whatever school has them early on, their players start getting invited. And then, the, as, you know, it just trickles all the way down to the schools that had them last. I mean, Wake Forest just had theirs, what, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, and they were one of the last ones. Um, so it's a really lengthy process. And, you know, look, I have loved this process going over with you because we talked about the players, who's the best at the position. And, but we, I think you and I can agree. We see shows or we listen to shows where, well, I think you'll see this team draft up for this and they'll give up that. And uh, then they'll put them in a position to take this guy. Man, at that point, you're, you're just making stuff up to fill airtime. And I'm not calling anyone out specifically, but you got no idea what the trades look like right now until they've happened. Mm-hmm. And there will be more trades between now. I mean, we got another two weeks before the draft. There will be more trades. There will be trades on draft day and on the second day and the third day. So I think that, you know, the way you've done your your show, your program over these weeks as we've gone through this is, talked about the players and what their high ends are, where they fit in, what they can do in the NFL, instead of sitting here saying, we're going to go through 32 teams and, you know, project everything. It just, it, it doesn't work like that. I used to watch these draft shows and pick up every draft magazine, left, right, center, and do all the research. Being in the industry now, I can't. I I can't devote that time right. because I know within half a minute of watching a show or reading a couple paragraphs written by someone, if they know that what they're talking about, the draft is is an inexact science. If the draft mm-hmm. was an exact science, Tony Romo would have been drafted and Jamarcus Russell wouldn't have been. Right. And right. We, sure. we we sit here and. I marvel at a lot of the people who will, in the next two weeks, social media, coffee shops, on TV, wherever, who say, well, hey, 
I just heard about this guy. And those of us like yourself who do our research, are like, huh, we kind of told you about that like four months ago. It's like, hey, it's that late arriving <laughs> person to the party where right. the the food has already been eaten. There's already dessert and people are walking out. Hey, I just got here. Okay, we kind of been here for a while. And I sure. implore those in social media where I was, do your homework earlier. So on draft day, you're not saying, okay, who's this guy or who's that guy? Mm-hmm. Chances are if you do ample research, even if you may not have seen film on a guy, his name should ring a bell. Now, how can people interact with you on social media, Tom? Yeah, thank, thankfully, I've got a great team of, of writers around me, and we have seen every one of these players, all the guys we've talked about, some we haven't, guys like Drake London, Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean. These guys are going to be first-round picks somewhere, and we've we've watched them live. We've watched them on film. We've gone back and watched them on film again. So I am blessed to have a really good team uh, for our site, lastwordoncollegefootball.com. We have a Facebook page. We have a Twitter feed, at Last Word on CFB. And contrary to uh, people's suggestions, I am not changing my Twitter name. It is still at Tony Bruin. I am not changing it to Dean and Deacon Tony. You can find this wherever you get your podcast from. You can follow us at FPC Raiders on Twitter, on Instagram. Or if you want to look at our website, fullpresscoverage.com backslash Raiders. Tony, thank you so much for joining us. We will definitely talk to you soon. Always glad to do it, my friend. This has been another sterling episode of the Full Press Raiders podcast. Be good to yourselves and each other. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.